0: Once you're married, once you have committed to each other, God wants you to have an intimate relationship with your spouse.
1: Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth.
0: God says it's not good for a man to be alone. Well, it's not good for a man to be alone. It's not good for a woman to be alone. So what I encourage you to do is seek fervently the Lord. That he would make you who God wants you to be. You're thinking, like, well, I need to pray for my mate. Well, I think you should pray for your mate. It's not like they're not alive yet. Pray for them, but pray for you. Pray that you would be who they need you to be. That God, you would just deny yourself and that you would be that helpmeet, the completion for that other person. And if you're already dating someone and they're a non believer, or you're dating someone that isn't showing any desire for the things of the Lord, like, you know, they're uh, supposedly a Christian. Hey, don't judge me, bro. It's like, yeah, well, whatever. If they're not showing signs of a true and a solid believer, this is a great time to end that relationship. This is a great time to walk away from it because if you're dating, if you're evangelizing and you're dating, like hopefully they'll come to know the Lord or you're dating someone who claims to be a Christian but they don't feel like going to church with you and what have you, this is just a sign of what it'll be when you get married. It'll even be worse. And once you get married, you are bound to that marriage until they die. So right now, before you're married, you can walk. Are they asking you to do things that you shouldn't do? Are you living in darkness? Are you living in sin? Have you started giving in sexually? Get away from that relationship because if they love Jesus, they are not gonna cause you to fall. They're not gonna cause you to sin before the living God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians six 14, don't be unequally yoked. What partnership is righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship is light? With darkness. And if you're already married to a non believer, you know, God, are you saying I can get out of this? No. <laughs> it's like, God says to stay in that relationship. That has now become your personal mission field to love and encourage your spouse into a relationship with God. It's not going to be easy, as you already know, but it's God's will. That you would live out his life and love in that relationship. And part of repopulating the earth that he was talking about is having a healthy sexual relationship with your spouse. Now know this: God never commanded anywhere in his word for us to not have sex. He never said that. God never said, don't have sex. He made us sexual beings. What he commanded us was to not have sex outside of the marriage relationship. That's what he said. He says, don't have sex until you come into a covenant relationship with a husband or a wife. A dating relationship is for this. It's to get to know the other person. It's not to fulfill your sexual desires. Some have said, but pastor, look here, you know, this is important. You know, uh, what if you know what if I'm not sexually compatible with this person? I kind of need to try out the ground here first just to make sure that we're compatible. Uh, excuse me, are you a male? Is she a female? Trust me, it's going to work, okay? It's all going to work, okay? It's all going to work. You can talk about it, you know, you can talk about it and say, hey, you know, listen, uh, you know, this is probably something that's pretty important to me. Is, is this important to you? No, I don't ever want to do it. Maybe you need to move on to go somewhere else, okay? <laughs> and just, you know, so you can talk about it, but you don't experiment with it because that is outside of God's will. But once you're married, once you have committed to each other before the Lord and to the state and you are legally married, God wants you to have a personal and an intimate relationship with your spouse. I mean, think about it. It's like, you know, as married couples, you know, we could go on, we we could vacation together, we can go out to dinner together, you know, we can travel abroad, let's take a cruise. Well, we can't do anything right now because of COVID. But anyway, but you get the point. Uh, We can do anything with anyone we want except for a sexual relationship. It is something that should be coveted only between a husband and a wife. And that's how God made it. 1 Corinthians 7, 2 says, But because of immoralities, this is sexual sin, let each man have his own wife, let each woman have her own husband, and let the husband fulfill his duty... What do you think his duty is there, okay? Fulfill his duty to his wife. Likewise, also the wife to her husband. She should fulfill her duty. So in the context of 1 Corinthians 7, he's talking about the sexual relationship. We are not to hold back from our husband or our wife. Proverbs 5.18 says, let your fountain be blessed. Now in the context here, it's the sexual relationship. Let that fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth as a loving hind and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. His will is that we would have that intimacy with our husband and wife and not find that intimacy in someone else or in the world or in pornography or anything else. He wants us to have that with our mate. But moving on, in verse 2, God said that the fear of man would be placed in animals now. Listen, God has put a natural fear in animals. Now, every now and then, an animal goes rogue and scarfs a human, okay? It happens, okay? But for the most part when you're out in the willy bushes it's like you're going animals here you come and they take off why because god has put a natural fear and it's good that he did because listen animals reproduce much faster than humans do and wild animals listen if it wasn't for god putting a fear in them they might have scarfed all the humans Yeah, you know, we're seeing animals that are becoming extinct because we're killing them all well, if God didn't put the fear in animals, they might have killed all of us before we even had a chance to live. But that's what God did. And we're also told that man can eat all animals here, but not with the blood. Now, what does that mean? Well, God said in Leviticus, in the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law of God, in Leviticus seventeen eleven, he says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood by reason of life that makes the atonement. Now, in verse 4 here in Genesis 9, life is related to the blood. Now, the word life and soul are from the same Hebrew word, nephesh. Now, God relates the life and the soul to the blood. So we can eat the meat of an animal, but we're not to eat the soul of the animal is what he's saying technically. Yet God allowed the blood of the soul of the animal that was sacrificed to go onto the altar to cover man's sin. It was a life having to die for the sin of the flesh. And of course, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. The first sacrifice was in the Garden of Eden. Remember after Adam and Eve had sinned, they were ashamed of their nakedness. There was a God covered them with animal skins, meaning that was the first animal that sacrificed for man's sin as God covered their nakedness with the animal skin. But Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice where God came down to the earth and he lived as a man. Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man at the same time. And he died for his creation. Yes, you could say it as simple as this. The creator died for his creation. Yet because we are allowed to eat the meat from animals, it doesn't mean that we have to eat the meat from animals. God also said at the end of verse 3 that he also gave us the green plant to eat. So ladies, eat your kale salads with pride. Yes. Then, of course, in verse 5 and 6, God speaking about the blood, the life of the soul, of the body, he shift gears there really quickly and said that if a man takes the life of another man, then his own blood shall have to be shed for that. Now, here in this portion of Scripture, God makes it extremely clear here to us that if someone murders another person, their own life needs to be taken because of that murder. Now, this does not include in times of war where a righteous country is being invaded by an aggressive or invading country we've seen this with adolf hitler and world war ii in all wars you always have a psycho leader that wants to go out there and he wants to take control of everything and and kill and ravish and steal and all of this well we have every bit uh have been given by god to defend ourselves even when we're defending ourselves from an assailant that comes into our home Someone comes into my home, they're going to hear this first. (laughs) Then they're going to get a light that's on the end of my shotgun flashing in their face so bright that they're not going to be able to see. Then they're going to have one second to turn around. And if not, I'm sorry. You have to come pick up their DNA. Because I'm going to protect my wife. In my family, at any cost. Okay, so God gives these rights in His Word for men are to govern men, and when you read the first few verses of Romans chapter thirteen, we are given that right to do that. But we're not talking about that here. What we're talking about is actual murder, where someone rises up and kills another human being. You know, that's why the Bible and the commandment says, "Thou shall not murder." Simply means this: we cannot allow anyone out of an act of anger or discontentment to kill someone. He didn't bring back my lawnmower. When I loaded my lawnmower, I'm going to kill him. Uh, uh, The guy just ran over my dog. I'm going to kill him. See, we can get angry and then we want to take someone's life for what they did. We cannot take the law into our own hands. And when someone does kill someone purposefully, like I just don't like you i don't like you i don't like the color of your skin this that or whatever it's like they are to be given the death penalty that's what the bible teaches and that's what he states here in genesis this law that god gave to noah happened right after god destroyed all life for their wickedness now this is the foundation for all legal and governmental agencies for the future The Bible says in Exodus chapter 21, verse 12, it says, He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death himself. But as you know, there are many in our country that are against capital punishment. We have been taking it off the books. There's many states now that have completely taken capital punishment off. And the ones that still have capital punishment on their books, it's like they never enforce it. So, you know, someone killed radically, you know, murdered a whole family, killed the husband, the the wife and their children, and they've been given the death penalty and, and he's sitting on death row. How long have you been on death row? 28 years. 28 years. Like what? When the Bible instituted this law, it was like when you were condemned for what you did, it was marched out to the edge of the city and you were stoned to death. There's none of this. Oh, we're going to give you all this time. We're going to have your last meal. What would you like in your last meal? You know, oh, the filet mignon and lobster. No, you're not getting Fruit Loops. You're not getting anything, okay? You're dying with an empty stomach. How about that? Because you're a dog. See, and then, of course, we do every excuse, you know, like the man that went into the theater in Colorado and killed all those people. And they said, well, first we have to we have to do a psychiatric exam on the person. And it's like, well, he's, he's crazy. We can't try him. Well, of course he's he's crazy. Why do you think he went in and killed all those people? But the crazy man has to die also. Okay. You don't just keep him alive for the rest of his life and let him get out of prison someday. Okay. Now listen, I am not on a soapbox right here. I am teaching what the word of God teaches. And when you disregard what God says, you end up with what we have here today. All these horrible crimes that are happening today, all of our cities are spiking in murders, and it all switched just in a matter of a few months. It's like everything is completely out of control right now. This is why the Bible teaches in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11, it says, because the sentence of an evil deed is not executed quickly, because you don't... Keep my law when it comes to executing people. He says, therefore, the hearts of the sons of men are given fully to do evil. And that's what's happened. It's like there's no fear. See, if everyone knew, like, man, if I kill that guy, they're going to arrest me. I'm going to be dead in 24 hours. I'm not going to kill someone. See, because I know that there's a huge price to pay and that fear would go throughout, and you would understand. It's like, you know what? I, can't. I hate that person. I want to take him out, but I'm not going to do it because I know that I'll lose my life. And see, the murder rate would plummet tremendously. But because we don't do that, and because we don't hold to God's law, that's why we have so much murder and anarchy in our society today. Because we have once again, we have abandoned what God has said in his word. Thinking that somehow our way is a better way. And because of this insanity thinking, you think that we would have learned? You think like, oh gee, we're all wrong here. No, we're getting even worse. Which brings up our second point, a promise given. Let's read what it says here in Genesis chapter 9, picking up in verse 8. It says... Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him saying, Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth that's with you and all that comes out of the ark, even every beast of the earth. Verse 11, I establish my covenant with you. And all flesh shall never again be cut off by water of the flood. Neither shall there ever again be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is a sign of the covenant. Notice how many times he says the covenant, the covenant, the covenant, which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations. Verse 13, here's the covenant. I set my bow talking about the rainbow, in the cloud. And it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the bow, the rainbow will be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. And when the bow, the rainbow is in the cloud, then I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenants between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth and God said to Noah this is a sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth boy we have a big old you know gnarly rainstorm especially when I lived on the east coast man thunderstorm crash burning and lightning <laughs> You know, everything. And then all of a sudden, it's over within them. Beautiful rainbow in the sky. And you're like, wow, that's God's covenant. See, I held back. I didn't keep it raining. I didn't get it. It's like, that's my covenant. I'll never destroy the earth by water again. Yes, that is God's covenant. Notice again in verse 9 that God made this covenant with Noah and his descendants. That's us. For we have all come from Noah and his children. And what a great promise it's given to us that he is never, ever, ever again going to destroy the earth with water. So God formed a rainbow in the sky. A bow, it's God's eternal covenant, eternal promise that states, I'm never, ever going to destroy the earth and humanity by water again. Yes, it's a perpetual symbolic reminder of God's promise. But like we read in 2 Peter 2, 7 earlier, the next judgment is reserved for fire. God will destroy this earth with fire next time. When we go into the apocalypse, once the rapture of the church happens and we are taken away, then there's gonna be seven years of tribulation and there will be fire that comes down on this earth and it will be destroyed until Jesus Christ comes back at the second coming with us in the clouds and the air and he sets his foot down on the Mount of Olives and makes a new heaven and a new earth. Yes, it will all happen just like he promised. That's why it's so important for us, you and me as believers. This is why it's so critical to spread the good news of salvation in Christ by personally sharing this message of hope and salvation with all those who have embraced sinful lifestyles, which in this city, is almost everybody right you know if they've rejected christ as their savior we need to share with them because if we don't share with them who will we are the generation of people that are responsible for this generation no one else is here to share with them first we looked at a command to heed here today We looked at the repopulating of the earth. We looked at eating meat and the green vegetables of the earth, along with capital punishment for those that murder people. Then we looked at a promise given, the establishment of the rainbow as a covenant between God and man, that God would never destroy the earth by water again. And he called it a covenant seven times in verses 9 through 17. It is kind of odd, though, how the homosexual group, the lbGqt and you know have embraced the rainbow as their sign of freedom and who they are it 's like do they recognize that 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 sign of the rainbow was a sign of god 's ultimate destruction on humanity that lived in sin and didn 't obey god 's laws? Now, listen, I am not, you know, homophobic, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. Because when Jesus died, he died for every fornicator, every thief, uh, every lying, cheating dog, uh, and every homosexual. He died for every adulterer. He died for everyone. But when we come to know Christ as our Savior, we have to turn from our sin. And it's like homosexuality in the Bible is sin. Just like me, I was a fornicator, and when I came to know Christ, I had to repent of being a fornicator, and God forgave me of my sin, and God can forgive anybody of any sin that they've ever done. And by the way, the person that murders someone who should have their life taken, they can repent of their sin and go to heaven. They still need to die for what they've done, but they can still go to heaven if they truly repent of their sin. That's why Jesus died for us. And so, amen. But it is, kind of, it is kind of odd that the homosexual group would take the rainbow as you know, their flying of colors. It's like, that was a sign of judgment, okay? And judgment is coming once again. And it's like, I just everyone needs to repent of their sin and come to know Christ. And the only reason I say that is because there's a lot of homosexuals in our world today. And I want them to know. And this is what the truth is. People don't want to speak the truth. You know, people are not tolerant anymore. People are like, they want to bash your head. You're going to believe the way that we believe or we're going to torment you and make your life miserable. But true love, getting back to 1 Corinthians 13, true love bears all things and speaks the truth. And the truth is that if you live in a homosexual lifestyle, just like if you're an adulterer, Just like if you're in a fornicating lifestyle living with your boyfriend or girlfriend, just like if you're a thief, you are not going to go to heaven. But if you repent of your sin and you turn from your sin, then you can be forgiven. And God loves you. He cares about you. And he wants to woo you into his kingdom because he cares about you. And, you know, sometimes, you know, Christians will take this high road like somehow like homosexuals or or worse off than other people. Look. It's all the same. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short, and no one's going to heaven outside of Christ and being forgiven of their sins. So I just wanted to point that out. Which leads us to our third and final point, a moment of darkness. Now, again, you would think that we could get a little farther past the flood before darkness stepped back in you know uh, the moment where sin comes in but when man's involved hey we're always going to mess things up right we've been messing things up from the beginning and we've still messed things up that's why the world's a mess right now but let's read what he has to say here in Genesis chapter 9 picking up in verse 18 it says now the sons of Noah who come out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth and Ham was the father of Canaan that was his son and these three were the sons of noah and from these the whole earth was populated and Noah lived 350 years after the flood so all the days of noah were 950 years and he died wow that's living a long time
1: thanks for joining us for core truth radio you've been listening to pastor and bible teacher steve wilburn of core church los angeles if you'd like to hear more messages by pastor steve download the core church los angeles free app available on ios and android core church is sponsored by and a listener supported outreach of core church la if you have been blessed by this program consider supporting our radio ministry by texting core church la to seven seven nine seven seven you can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org as well as writing to p.o box 34789 los angeles california 90034